difficulty, but we value those of you who watch online every single week, and so we're taking time to reshoot this thing. We got people watching in different states, different parts of the country. Uh, maybe you heard about this uh, message via a text message. Maybe you heard about it, you know, via an email, or maybe you just get on the website every single week and watch along with us. But we value you. We think it's worth our time to do this. Lately, we've been in a series called Hammer Time, and uh, the concept comes from Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29, which says, My word is like a fire. Is it not like a hammer that breaks rocks to pieces? And we've been saying that, although that doesn't sound that appealing at first, and Hammer Time, it's a fun song, it's a fun summer series, the real heart of the scripture is that when God breaks you down, it's so that he can build you back up better than before. So for the first couple weeks of the Hammer Time series, we talked all about God's Word and and why we believe in the Bible, and we justified our belief in the Scriptures, that we really can believe that the Bible is the Word of God. And we looked at it from uh, several different angles. I'd really encourage you to catch those parts of the series. Then we took a week and talked about the big picture of the Scripture. You can grow up uh, going to Sunday school and you can hear all these little facts and all these little stories about Daniel and you can hear about uh, uh, Zacchaeus who was a wee little man and you can even have a whole uh, very, very robust intellectual understanding of the scripture but sometimes have no idea how it all fits together. But it's when you get the big picture of the scripture that it's all about Jesus that your heart really burns within you. Now, I want to ask you if you've ever heard about that app called Acorns. I feel like everybody's always sending me invitations to this app Acorns and the way this app brands itself is that it helps you save and invest change from everyday purchases and invest into a diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds. Now, and when you get this app, you can just take everyday purchases and it kind of accumulates. And you can decide whether you want to be on the conservative side over here and you want to uh, kind of just invest in the bonds and in the securities and those sorts of things. Or you can take your money over to Vegas and, and invest the crazy way and get risky and wild and live on the wild side. Well, I don't know a whole lot about investing. Uh, my grandfather does. He's one of those guys who's always figuring out, you know, watching the stocks trend. He invests in things like accelerometers and gyroscopes that go into cell phones, and he's always watching what's going to bring back the best returns. Well, Isaiah 55.11 says, My word that goes out of my mouth, it will not return to me empty. It will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I send it. You see, God's word has smooth dividends. It's a blue chip investment. It always brings back good returns. And whatever you invest in it, whether it's your time, your energy to send it out, whether it's your finances, your resources that you invest in in spreading God's word and investing in the church, investing in the kingdom of God, whatever you do for God's word, it will never return empty. God's word always fulfills its purposes. It always brings back good returns. Nothing will ever be wasted. Nothing will ever be squandered. It always does its good. Now, I've titled this message this weekend, Rainmaker, Rainmaker. And if you look with me in Isaiah chapter 55, we'll start out in verse 6. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. 
Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led out in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. Instead of briars and myrtles will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Father, I just pray right now that even as people are watching online, even as people are maybe driving down the road or or out on a run or whatever, hearing this, I pray that you would affect their lives, Lord. I pray that your word would accomplish its purpose in their lives, that they would be changed, that they'd be inspired, and that they'd want to live differently and love you more deeply because of the time they're taking to invest in your word. Well, I titled this message Rainmaker, and I live in one of the rainiest of places. Uh, We actually had the rainiest winter on record in the entire time that they've been keeping records of rainfall in the city of Portland. Uh, Specifically at the Portland airport, there's 25.66 inches of rain this past winter. Now, for me, that's a shock because I come from the desert, all right? I come from New Mexico. I come from a city that gets 1.36 inches of rainfall each winter. But you know what I've noticed is that the rainiest places are also the greenest places and that the driest places also happen to be the brownest places, Well, here in this text, God's word is compared to rain. It's compared to precipitation, the water cycle. And the same thing is true with God's word. When you let God's word flow, things will always grow. God's desire for you is for to be like rainfall, to nourish you, not to destroy you, to refresh you, not restrict you, to renew you, not ruin you. And when you let God's word into your life, it will refresh you. Good things will grow. Good things will flow. That's what his desire and his purpose is for you. Now, the first thing you could write down if you're taking notes or if you're listening, the first big thought of this message is that the word of God will always do its work. The word will always do its work. Now, it's worth telling you in the immediate application of this text, it's a promise to Israel that God was going to make good on his word in bringing Israel back from exile. And I kind of talked about this in the big picture of the scripture, the message story is king, that Israel would turn their back on God and he'd always bring them back. And they'd turn their back on God and he'd always bring them back. And he was making, uh, saying that his word was going to 
not fail in its purpose and that he was going to bring them back from exile. He's saying this even before they've ever even gone into exile. And then ultimately, that he was going to make good on his word to bring a Messiah into the world, the son of David. Then finally, that all the nations would trust in him, that people from all nations of the earth would trust in that Messiah. Uh, Hey girl, hey, that's happening right here, right now, because we're on the other side of the globe from Israel, trusting in the name of Jesus. His word is not failing. He's making good on his word and ultimately, he's going to make good on his word when he comes back and the hills break forth in singing and all creation changes and the trees of the field clap their hands and and we can't even begin to fathom the glories that are going to be revealed when he ultimately makes good on his word. But I think in addition to all of that, you can see throughout the rest of the scripture That God's word, just generally speaking, it never fails. In Romans 1.16, a verse that I think every Christian should memorize, says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. See, it's the good news, that's what the word gospel means, of salvation The good news of Jesus that rescues people, that changes people, that saves people for abundant life here and now and eternal life hereafter. It's that message of Christ crucified, his death, his burial, his resurrection, that if you simply hear that and believe and trust in it, you will be saved. We kind of see this like alluded to in the rest of Isaiah 55. Because in the text, just over and over, there's this emphasis on listening. It says, listen, listen, in verse 2. In verse 3, it says, give ear and hear, and your soul shall live. I like what Romans chapter 10 says. It says that faith, see, we're saved by faith, by grace through faith. That faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. I like what Charles Spurgeon said. Charles Spurgeon was one of the most influential uh, preachers ever in England. And he actually himself was formerly an atheist. Uh, He was like a savant. And at the age of 13, he said that he questioned everything. That he came to everything like a skeptic to the point that he didn't believe in God. Ultimately, he kept questioning things till he said, I don't even know if I exist. Then he decided it was, it was a whole bunch of silliness and, and he became a Christian. He put his faith in Jesus and led a tremendous revival in the city of London. But he said this about God's word. He said, the best attraction is the gospel and its purity. The weapon with which the Lord conquers men is the truth as it is in Jesus. The gospel will be found equal to every emergency, an arrow which can pierce the hardest hearts, a bomb which can heal the deadliest wound. Preach it and preach nothing else. Rely implicitly upon the old, old gospel. You need no other nets when you fish for men. 
See, God's word is power. In the word of the gospel, it is what saves you. It's what saves us. And it's why somebody like Billy Graham can preach in 185 different countries to packed out stadiums. It's why he's able to preach to presidents and to peasants and it still finds resonance. It's the reason why people from every socioeconomic class, every, every different uh, race and tongue and language can relate with this message and it can have power in every single culture. It is why this church exists. We exist to be a church that teaches the Bible, preaches the gospel. It is good news. And if you're listening to this message, you're watching online, you need to know that this message about Jesus, it can change you. It can save you. It's still transforming people today. If you just put your trust in Christ, if you just believe this message, you don't have to get your act together. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to polish yourself up. You need only trust in Jesus. He's the perfect one. He will save you. He will change you. Now, as an example of how God's word always does its work, I think back to this uh, story that happened a few years back. I was in a parking garage with a buddy of mine, and uh, we, you know, had had wanted to share Christ with somebody, and we saw these kids kind of tailgating. Uh, You know, they were, uh, I don't know, a little bit younger than us. They were there smoking weed, whatever, just having a good time. We thought, you know what, let's go talk to them about Jesus. And we're doing it in a casual way, just in, in a super laid back way. But, but as kind of we got talking, I really started to preach Christ to these kids. And they were laughing and making fun of us and just kind of making jokes, whatever. And so eventually we bailed. We, we take off and we think, ah, you know what? Maybe that was a waste of time. I don't know. But God's word never comes back void. It never comes back empty. Well, I kid you not, several months later, uh, maybe even close to a year later, I was standing in line for a movie at a movie theater and I got a tap on the shoulder, and this kid comes up, and he's like, I remember you. I know who you are. And I'm like, whoa, who, who are you? And he's like, you came, and you told me and my friends about Jesus. We were smoking weed in a parking garage downtown, and I could not stop thinking about what you told me. I kept thinking about it. I kept thinking about it. My whole life has changed. I've gotten plugged back into church. My world has changed because of what you said that night. You see, the thing is, the Word always does its work. Next thought is that it will upgrade all your ways. It will upgrade all your ways. Don't you love an upgrade? When you get one in your contract for your phone and you get to upgrade to that new Samsung Galaxy or that new iPhone or upgrade, you know, upgrading from trusting in yourself, living life your own way before trusting in Jesus, it's like upgrading from a typewriter to a MacBook Pro. It is the ultimate upgrade. That's why this text says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, that's really high, that's a big upgrade, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now at this church, we talk a lot about how it's a reasonable faith. That although there might be people who say, I just believe, I I don't know why I believe, I just believe, you know, that I don't think it's a blind faith. A biblical faith is a reasonable faith. But it is worth saying that there are limitations to reason. 
that there does come a place where God's ways are simply higher than our ways. There are mysteries within this book that even the greatest mind cannot comprehend. There are mysteries within existence that it doesn't matter how many PhDs you get, how many degrees you get. There are things that are simply beyond us. That's why I love what Ravi Zacharias says. He says, uh, Ravi Zacharias was a Hindu. He was born in India to one of the upper castes. He actually was so stressed out by kind of the shame that was in his family, the culture, uh, based on his performance in school. He tried to take his own life. Then while in the hospital, a man told him about Christ, gave him a Bible, and he's become one of the most uh, world-renowned apologists, uh, speakers for the Christian faith that there is. He's spoken at every university, uh, practically every Ivy League school. He's addressed the United Nations on several occasions. But Ravi Zacharias says this. He says, God has put enough into this world to make faith in him a most reasonable thing. But he's not put so much that it's possible to live by reason alone. See, you simply have to trust in this message. It is reasonable. We can talk about the logic behind it. We have in this series. But there comes a place where you simply must believe. Now, there's a lot of things that I can't fully understand. But there's something that I can understand and I can say with confidence, with certainty. And that's that going the Lord's way is better than going my ways. It's better than going my way. When I go my way, man, I I end up in a ditch. I end up off a cliff. And when you've learned that enough in life, you come to a place where you do want to trust him. And I can say with certainty that his ways, they're better than my ways. It's an upgrade. Now, there's something else that uh, this text talks about, and, and, and that's that his ways are different than our ways in that he's merciful. He says that he'll freely pardon, he'll freely forgive. You know how difficult it is to forgive? You know how frustrating it can be when you're really in a conflict with somebody, when somebody's really injured you, when they've wronged you? I found that, that our ways aren't really all that forgiving, <laughs> That the world isn't all that forgiving of a place. But he says that he will abundantly pardon, that he will freely pardon, that he'll show mercy. See, his ways are higher than our ways. And when you receive that grace, when you receive that mercy, when you trust in that message, it will make all the difference. You'll find that when you are saved through faith, your appetites will change. What you want will change. What you desire will change. Things will be different. Relationships will look different. It will be an upgrade. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old has gone. The new has come. It will upgrade all your ways. Next thought is that if you want to move up, you have to give up. If you want to move up, you have to give up. It says, let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous person his thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and our God will freely pardon. Excuse me. I don't think I have to tell you how this goes against absolutely everything that our, our culture really stands for. I mean, you could sing it with me, right? I want to be like Kanye. I'll be the king of me always. 
do what I want, I'll have it my way. Forsake your ways. Forsake your thoughts. That sounds ridiculous. That sounds insane. You know, people want to go their own way. That's what people desire. And I can recognize that in our culture because I can recognize it in myself. I've got a little Kanye West hiding out in my heart. You know, making weird music videos, ruining award shows. I have a part of me that just wants to go my own way. And there are times where I get out of step, you know, and he reels me back in. He reels me back in. And that's the thing, uh, walking in the Spirit, even once you believe the message, once you've been saved, it's an ongoing decision to trust His ways, not your ways. To go His way, not your way. A.W. Pink put it like this. He said, the Christian who stopped repenting has stopped growing. And I like how this text puts it. It says that the unrighteous person needs to forsake his thoughts. That's what the word repent means. It means to change your mind, that your mindset about things is changing. And uh, and, um, what God wants for us in the end isn't this simple position of compliance. You know, if you were just supposed to change your ways but not change your thoughts, what that looks like is what a lot of people perceive Christianity to be, perceive religion to be. They perceive it to be compliance. Like, sit down, shut up. But what God wants for us is not simple compliance. What he wants is radiance. Not to just do what he says, but to see as he sees. That the gospel is not behavior modification. It's heart transformation. That God changes who you are from the inside out. Now, I'll admit that repentance is hard. Repentance is really hard. It is tough to admit that you're wrong. I mean, there are people who go through their whole life never admitting that they're wrong. And some of them would make really great presidential candidates, wouldn't they? I mean, there are people who never admit that they're wrong. Repentance is hard. Repentance is admitting that you were wrong about everything. And that even the right things you did, you oftentimes did them with wrong motives. But here's the thing. In the end, God's desire is not to shame you. It's to save and satisfy you. That's why this passage starts off saying, Come all who are thirsty. Come to the waters, you who've got no money. Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend your money on what's not bread? Why do you labor for what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me. Eat what's good and you'll have delight in the richest affair. See, I've told you before that sin isn't simply doing bad things. It can be turning good things into ultimate things. People live their lives working all the time. What are they working for? They're they're working for something that's going to satisfy them. They work for things that they're going to try to find meaning in. They, they They look to their, whether it's a career, it's a good thing. Or or it's a relationship, that's a good thing. Or maybe it's sex, that's a good thing. Or or it could be, you know, uh, power. It could be the desire to be liked, to be noticed, to have friendships. These are all good things. But sin isn't simply doing bad things. It's turning those good things into ultimate things. Looking for significance, looking for meaning, looking for value. Things that we were only meant to obtain and receive from God himself, from knowing him. 
And when I look at this text that, that talks about, you know, why do you spend your money on things that aren't going to satisfy you? Why do you, why do you work for the things and, and live for the things that you can only receive freely as a gift from God? I, I always think about this interview I read with Russell Brand. Now, Russell Brand is one of the most successful uh, British actors of recent years, one of the most successful comedians. Uh, he's, he's won numerous awards. Uh, he's talked about how he owned a penthouse in London, in Manhattan, and in Los Angeles, how he's had sex with over 2,000 women. Uh, you know, a lot of people here in Portland, you know, would say, you know, that's, that's the dream, like just, just having it made, having as much sex as you possibly can, being successful in your career, uh, having, having the high rise in the Pearl District. You know, at the time that he gave this interview, he was actually married to Katy Perry. But he said this, I'm famous now. I didn't used to be. When I was younger, I always wanted to be famous. I thought it would make me happy. But now I've got fame. And some of the things that I could only dream of, and it ain't worked. What I've realized, though, is that the stuff that I've used this glowing orb of amusement to acquire, status, fame, power, money, fulfillment of dreams. It's all meaningless and transient. What I'm wondering is, can I come up with something meaningful and escape with something worthwhile? See, if you want to move up, you got to give up. You got to quit going your own way. You got to forsake your thoughts, forsake your way of thinking and and come to the one who can freely give you life, freely give you purpose, freely give you the meaning that you've been looking for. Next thing I see in this passage is that even pain will become praise. Even pain will become praise. It talks about this business of, of thorn bushes turning into myrtle trees, or just turning into, into these you know, beautiful trees, these beautiful bushes. Now, I come from a land, like I said before, where I'm familiar with thorn bushes. I have crashed my bicycle into a cactus before, gotten it all up and down my leg. I mean, there's so many goat heads and thorns in New Mexico that you've got to put some slime all up in your tires. You've got to get those inserts into your rims if you want to ride your bike without having a flat. Now, this text does ultimately look to the day that Jesus is going to come back. He's going to reverse the curse. He's going to reset the universe. He's going to change everything. But the Bible holds a promise to be true for us here and now, that what God wants to do ultimately in the world at large, he wants to do uh, immediately inside of you. And that's that God wants to turn places of pain, places of thorns, he wants to turn them into something beautiful into something life-giving. And that's what his word does when it comes into your life. See, I'm telling you that the darkest places, the most painful places, they can become the places of greatest power. I've shared this with you before, and, and I don't share it to you know, have people focus on me or my story or gain people's sympathy. I tell it because I think it holds the same truth for you, that what God has done in my life, he can do in your life. And that's that when I was about three years old, I was sexually abused. I, I was uh, raped. 
And that affected me in, 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 in horrendously terrible ways. And I remember growing up and being older and, and thinking that my only purpose in life was to find the man who'd done that to me and to murder him. And I lived with that kind of pain for quite some time. But you know what? In the cross, I found something so different. In the cross, I found the fact that ultimately I don't need to take justice into my own hands because there's justice for everyone at the cross. And that if I let God have my life, if I let God take my pain, then there's either going to be justice for that man in the cross and the forgiveness that's found there, or there's going to be justice for him at the second coming. But I don't have to look, living my life full of pain and hatred and vengeance, I can live a life of forgiveness, that I don't have to take vengeance or or be a victim or be a victimizer, but that I can be a comforter, I can be more than a conqueror. And in in a world where one out of five boys get sexually abused the way I did, in a world where that's the post-sexual revolution, where everybody just wants to have sex and be free and, and, and do whatever you want. You know, be, do, do your own deal where one out of three girls gets sexually assaulted, where, where Lady Gaga sings about how girls can't even make it through college without being raped and how one out of ten girls who go to a university end up being raped during their time at college. In that kind of a place, I can be a harbinger of hope and I can bring healing and say, you don't have to live that way. You don't have to victimize people. You don't have to be a victim. Even if you have been a victim, your pain can become praise. Your past doesn't have to define your future. Jesus, he can change everything. He can turn you into a comforter. Your suffering can bring salvation. Your trials can be triumph. Your misery can be turned into a ministry. And that's true no matter what you've gone through. It could be cancer. It could be a foreclosure. It could be a death in the family. It could be a suicide. It could be a divorce that you've gone through. Whatever the most painful, thorny places of your life are, if you hand your life to Jesus, if you receive his message into your life, he will take your pain. He will make it praise. If you let him. And if that wasn't good enough, there's just a little bit more. (laughs) There's just a little bit more in this passage. And that's this, that he got the check so we can eat for free. He got the check so we can eat for free. He says that our God will freely pardon. He says that why do you work and labor for things that don't satisfy? You know, come and eat freely come and drink and and you'll have the richest fare that it's a free gift now somebody could be listening to this and watching this and you could be thinking to yourself you know that's nice that's that's all a bunch of rhetoric you might think to yourself in a very cynical way i'm gonna gonna blow that off i mean maybe you're like michael fulcult michael fulcult was a a french philosopher who was very influential he was a social theorist and he said, you know, anytime somebody makes a claim of absolute truth, it's a power play. That there is no absolute truth, that people are just looking to get power. And so anytime they claim that they have the truth, they're really just trying to manipulate you. Well, what Michael Foucault maybe didn't realize that philosophers later did is that he's making a claim about absolute truth and that his claim falls victim to itself. You know what's more beautiful than even that, though? I mean, that's, that's not really what I want to emphasize. What I want to emphasize is this. Is that the one who says that he is truth, the one who is the very word of God, the one who 
holds all power, who's omnipotent, the one who's almighty, that in the gospel we find himself, him giving up his power, becoming completely powerless, and that the one who is truth, he gave up his power for us. Just two chapters earlier in Isaiah 53, we find one of the most incredible passages 400 years before Christ ever came, we find this prophecy. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him. And by His wounds we are healed. We like sheep have gone astray. Everyone's turned to His own way and the Lord's laid on Him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. And yet he didn't open up his mouth. He was like a lamb to the slaughter. And the way a sheep in front of his shearers is silent, he didn't even open his mouth. See, you might be suspicious of any authority figure. You might be suspicious of anybody who's given out promises, given out promises of truth like this. But I'm telling you this, you can bow to the one who bowed to death for you. You can surrender to the one who carried your sin and death. Jesus is able to say, anybody who thirsts, come unto me and drink. Because on the cross, Jesus Christ was cosmically thirsty. You can come to Jesus. You can trust him for your peace because he paid the price for your peace. You see, he got the check so we could eat free, the one who had all power to condemn us, all power to judge us. He gave up his power. He became powerless for us in the incarnation and in the cross. And now he's the bread that nourishes. Now he's the cup that we drink. Now he's the one that we look to, not a doctrine or a creed or this claim of absolute truth, just because for the sake of absolute truth to impress everybody else that we're better than them, but a person. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the message. He's the word. He's the one that we look to and he loved us at our worst and when we know that we trust that it's what enables us to be our best father i just pray that anybody who's heard this message who's watched this message on the internet i pray they'd receive that message into their heart lord they'd receive the message of the gospel more than that they'd receive you They'd receive you, Jesus, who is the word. They'd receive that word, and that word would be life eternal. And it changed them here and now. Lord, we pray that we'd continue to walk in repentance. We pray that because of what we've seen in the cross, that it would change our thinking, that we'd forsake our ways, we'd forsake our thoughts, and we'd live lives that make a difference here and now. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.